Welcome to your Bright Recovery Podcast, where we celebrate your story of recovery and resilience. I'm your host, Caroline Beidler. Finding meaning in a shared story. The coffee shop was dimly lit and I stared at the half-empty latte in front of me. I was very early even for me needing to find the perfect spot so I could feel as comfortable as I could, something that I learned over time helped when I struggled with anxiety. She walked in and instantly, I knew it was her. Florence's eyes were strong yet soft, a deep green that you could get lost in and at the same time, see yourself. She told me about the work that she did, teaching a class on substance use disorders and about the years of experience she had working with women with addiction and trauma histories, women like me. Florence had a way, and still does, of teaching me something every time we met. This first meeting, she taught me about some things about recovery I hadn't given much thought to. Did you know, she said, that the way we talk about addiction matters? We don't say substance abuse anymore. The word abuse has such heavy, negative connotations. For some of us, it even triggers things, especially for women in recovery. Or the word dirty she continued. Think about it. People talking about having dirty urines when getting probation or parole screening. I hear the word dirty and I think bad. It's like we've almost been conditioned by the way we talk about it to see addiction as something it's not. A moral failing, a weakness, when it's a medical condition like diabetes, cancer, or heart disease. I learned that when she got going, Flo could talk for hours about the things she cares about. This This is what I want to learn more about, I remember thinking, as she spoke about advocacy and told me about her own story. Our stories were different in some ways, yet the same themes, pain, isolation, and fear, then surrender, redemption, and community wove throughout. I drank in every word. She did most of the talking, but when I spoke, I could tell she was really listening, really listening. I could tell that she heard me. I told her that I was thinking about and struggling with going back to college and working in a women's recovery home. She just nodded as I spoke about the research I'd done, learning about how there was a lack of affordable, safe housing for women leaving treatment and trying to maintain their recoveries. I told her how hard it was for me, impossible in fact, to stay sober when I got out of treatment the first time and had to return right back to the same environment, same friends, same home where I had gotten sick how I felt called to be a part of a solution to a problem that I was just starting to recognize. Flo was one of the first women to swoop me up. She was someone who believed in me until I had the confidence and boldness to believe in myself. She was someone who really saw and understood that the little girl sneaking beers from her grandfather's fridge, the teen needing somewhere to go after treatment, and the young adult trying to find her sober life and purpose. I needed someone to help me see the truth. As a 30-year-old in recovery and only a couple years sober at the time, I also had so much of what I'll just call feeling bubbling up to the surface. Raw emotion. It felt like my skin dissolved and all of my organs were exposed and pulsating for the world to see. Everything was complicated and I knew I needed someone else to help me sort through it all. A Marie Kondo of sorts for my soul. 
When I saw what I looked at my life and recovery, looked like a Salvador Dali painting, warped with dripping clocks and sad skylines. What Flo saw and what she helped me see eventually was the softness of my life, the sweet brushstrokes and pastel impressions of a Monet, the beauty. For so long, I felt like I was the only one to experience trauma, addiction, and loss. But she helped me see the truth that I was just one of many. Not a special snowflake, but part of an avalanche of struggle and joy. This was a very comforting thought. If I was just one of many, this meant I was not alone. I finally belonged. Flo helped me to realize that my story didn't and doesn't exist in isolation. It is part of a shared recovery story that can be celebrated. It is an example of the power of recovery. Author Frederick Buchner in The Magnificent Defeat, highly recommend it, sums this up beautifully when he writes, And the storyteller's claim, I believe, is that life has meaning that the things that happen to people, not just by accident, like leaves being blown off a tree by the wind, but there is order and purpose deep down behind them or inside them, and that they are leading us not just anywhere, but somewhere. The power of stories is that they are telling us that life adds up somehow, that life itself is like a story, and this grips us and fascinates us because the feeling it gives us, that if there is meaning in any life, in Hamlet's, in Mary's, in Christ's, then there is meaning also in our life. May we all find the beauty and power in our collective stories and shared meaning this recovery month. Now, there are so many stories, powerful stories of recovery. And I wanted to share a couple of those with you today. I have had the opportunity to have some incredible chats with some amazing women in recovery who work in the recovery field, recovery advocates, and they're going to share a little bit more about this concept of power in stories, the power of the recovery story. So let's jump right in. I am Lucy Battles located in North Carolina. Um, I work with Reintegration Support Network in Chapel Hill, uh, and I'm just so excited to be here. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I'm really looking forward to learning more about your work. So what do you do um, with the organization you're working for in North Carolina? Can you share a little bit about the mission and kind of what you do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so Reintegration Support Network is a youth-focused organization where we utilize peer support uh, people and uh, recovery coaches to mentor youth who have either justice involvement or substance use issues or mental health concerns. Uh, And when I say mentor, we offer one-to-one mentoring, and we also offer peer mentoring in a group setting. Uh, So we partner with other youth-serving organizations and offer our services there as well. Oh, beautiful. Oh my goodness. I love that. And I just, I have such a heart for youth and the fact that you're utilizing peer support, you're connecting with other organizations, you know, working across teams to provide youth with mentorship and encouragement. That is awesome. So 
it's Recovery Month, and we just kind of started sharing a little bit about how we, you know, mutually love this month. And I know so many of us in recovery, you know, either working in it or personal recoveries just have this connection with September because it's an opportunity to really celebrate yeah. our stories and the fact that recovery is possible. And I'm, I'm getting my goosebumps that I get sometimes when I talk about it because it's, it is, it's just this miraculous thing. And I think part of my excitement comes from back in the day when I was really struggling in active addiction, I had no idea there was a way out. I could not see, it was like, it was a foggy day. You know, I'm from Eastern Tennessee in the mountains. Sometimes the fog is so thick. You can't see a foot in front of your face. I mean, that's how it felt. I couldn't see past the pain, the isolation, the struggle, all of that hurt. I couldn't see that there was hope out there and I couldn't see stories. I never heard stories of other people in recovery. And so now being able to celebrate that is so incredible. So Lucy, tell me, how have you seen the power of story work in the organization that you work for in the lives of youth as you're mentoring? Tell me about the power of a recovery story. I don't remember if you remember your teenage years. I certainly remember some of it. Uh, the rest is kind of blurry. But the one thing that sticks with me is that I was adamant not to need help or request help or... Um, even look like I needed help from any adult. You don't know what I'm going through. Um, you've never really been in my shoes. So that was sort of my mentality. And I think the same uh, can be said about the youth today. And when we have people on our mentor staff who have been there, who have done that, who can say, yes, I've dealt with mental health concerns. Yes, I've been through active addiction. Um, I've been homeless. I've been incarcerated. Uh, all the things, and I've gotten to the other side of it, then our participants are like, oh, oh, you're, you're kind of a badass. Um, and, and then they accept that help from those people. And it's not just some vanilla person like their mom or dad or their foster parent or their court counselor. This is someone who has lived those experiences that they might kind of fantasize about, and we can show you the the gritty side of things where it's not so glamorous, like it looks in movies. Um, you know, it's dirty and it's scary, and so I think that's the real power of it. And and watching young people connect with someone and actually come back and say, "I've learned so much from this person just from their story. I want to know more." Um, you know, they've given me hope and maybe a little bit of insight so that I don't go down that same path. That's what it's all about to me. Yay. I love it. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And I like when you've talked about, you know, it's not some vanilla person, right? Like most of us who have walked the walk, and trudge the road. It's like, it's like cayenne pepper. I mean, it's spicy, you know, it's, you talk about being messy and dirty and real. And I love that about recovery mentorship and peer support, because we can meet each other yeah. where we actually have been and where we're actually at. Next up, I have the opportunity to talk with Tara Moreno from Serenity House of Flint, Michigan. You know, when I started this journey of my own recovery, um, 
it seems like 15 years ago. So I went to rehab one time in 2007 and I realized through this journey that people don't talk about their recovery out loud. Usually when I started doing this deep internal work of getting to know myself and the aspects of myself that I had kind of banished to my subconscious, I realized that shining the light of awareness was the very first step to healing. And it's the very first step to healing anything within myself. And then also the world, like if we keep things hidden or in the shadows, we, we don't know what to heal. Right. So, you know, with the stigma of addiction and of, you know, healing codependency and relationships and of healing trauma, that was the root cause maybe of your addiction, you know, we need to recover out loud and we need to show people that this is what recovery looks like. It's not the spoon and the syringe on the billboard that we see very often. It's not the person who's, it's not also the person who's maybe homeless on the street or these really graphic images that we see that recovery is possible. And there's so many of us living in recovery right now that just don't talk about it. And the power of recovery, I mean, it's, it's immense. And when I decided to make the shift from journalism, because I was a news reporter um, for a period of time, I did some photo journalism and, and things of that nature. I didn't talk about my recovery then. And I did not want to on purpose because I was afraid I was going to lose my reputation. But when I, like I said, figured out that I, if I, if I wanted to truly heal, I needed to talk about it out loud. I needed to share that and provide that service aspect or that 12th step um, to be able to really deepen my recovery and help the next person. Beautiful. I love that so much. And Tara, can you share a little bit about what you're doing today? You mentioned being in the past a journalist, but what you're doing today, maybe why you felt moved because of the power of your own story to to do what what you're doing and the work that you are doing today? Yeah. So I founded a recovery community organization in Flint, Michigan. So it is called Serenity House Communities. We've been around for seven and a half years and we, you know, do everything an RCO um, is uh, supposed to do. So we do advocacy. So we advocate for people in recovery and that is through awareness events. So we do an annual walk and rally each year. We do an annual arts and music show. Um, we do various family events throughout the year. year. We have a trunk or treat coming up with big brothers, big sisters. Um, we do an annual Christmas event. So all about being out and about in the recovery and being that face and the voice for recovery. We also offer multiple pathways. So we support medication assisted treatment and we also provide holistic options or holistic medicine for people in recovery. And this is, these are things like um, meditation, um, you know, breath work practices, um, nutrition, how to heal with our food, our gut health. I know that it can be very difficult for people right now, especially with the pandemic. And, um, you know, these things are coming up for a lot of people and just know that, you know, the subconscious holds a lot of things that we cannot see and that we also carry 
intergenerational trauma. So this is why it can be difficult to heal, um, but it is possible in that the more that we wake up to our authentic power, the more we're going to be able to heal as an individual and as a collective, and we'll be able to create a new way of being in the world. A new way of being in the world. So beautiful. I want to thank Tara and Lucy for joining me, sharing a little bit more about what Recovery Month means to them, the power of a recovery story, and the meaning behind that shared story. It's so beautiful, so impactful. Happy Recovery Month, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, I've got some great free resources and tools to guide your recovery journey at brightstoryshine.com.